Our scripture reading this morning comes from Luke 14 and can be found on page 14 of your bulletin. Join me first in a prayer for illumination. Guide us, O Lord, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover peace through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. One Sabbath, when he went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there was a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you having a son or an ox that has fallen into a well on a Sabbath day will not immediately pull him out. And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you were invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. For you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field and must go out and see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you have commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
before we look at this text today, I just want to highlight we have uh, some special guests with us today. Uh, Nicole and Neso Chu are with us, and uh, we're really happy you've heard about this in the weekly email, and, and Nicole's going to be here uh, uh, through the potluck, and there, uh, you can uh, meet her and, and chat with her about her work. She leads diversity initiatives for university, doing important work, and is very well known to us, good friends, because they used to be here with us every week, but have been uh, called to Appleton. And uh, uh, we're glad that you're here today, and, and please uh, uh, connect uh, with them uh, at the potluck. We're starting a, a new series today uh, for the season of Lent, entitled Parables of the Kingdom. And I'll explain in a few minutes why the parables are uh, valuable for us to reflect on in Lent. Uh, but another reason why I've chosen parables related to the theme of the kingdom is because we've been focusing on Geneva's mission statement uh, in the beginning part of this year, and our mission statement refers to the kingdom in the second E. You'll remember our mission statement, it's printed in the inside back cover of uh, the bulletin. It's to embody the gospel in our life together, uh, to equip uh, one another for service in Christ's kingdom and to engage the university, the city, uh, and the world uh, with Christ's love and redemption. And so that second E refers to him. So it's an important question. You know, what is this kingdom? What is Christ's kingdom? And that's what we want uh, to try and understand in this season. So uh, as we look at our text today, let's consider it under three headings. The challenge of the kingdom, the character of the kingdom, and the call of the kingdom. The challenge of the kingdom in verses 1 to 6, the character of the kingdom in verses 7 to 14, and the call of the kingdom in verses 15 to 24. First, the challenge of the kingdom. We're beginning this series uh, on the parables in Luke 14. Uh, partly because I don't think that there is a better section of the Gospels to which we might go to show us Jesus using parables in his ministry. Now consider the setting here. Everything in our text uh, today took place at a single Sabbath day lunch at the home of a ruler of the Pharisees. Jesus is invited to this man's home, and honestly, he's kind of an unruly guest. Uh, there's this man with dropsy. Dropsy is a, a swelling condition where fluid builds up in tissues, uh, usually due to congestive heart failure or kidney disease. And Jesus heals this man, even though it's the Sabbath. And then he proceeds to talk to different people at the party. He tells a parable uh, directed to the guests about how they're making their seating arrangements. He tells the host about how he should put his guest list together. And then he tells uh, another parable to this pious man uh, at the table about another great banquet. So we're going to look at each parts of the story. But first, just notice overall how realistic this scene is. The parables of Jesus are not just moral stories like Aesop's fables, disconnected from any historical context. You can see here how Jesus used his parables in his teaching about the kingdom of God in very specific settings and life situations. As someone has said, 
the Gospels have a zip code. This is not just vague religious teaching. Jesus challenged specific people in specific places to look at their lives differently. So what is the challenge here? It came in two forms. First, Jesus puts the kingdom on display in his healing miracle. Here, he enacts the kingdom. He does this deliberately on the Sabbath, knowing full well that it would be viewed with suspicion by these religious leaders who are concerned with legal righteousness. And Jesus did this over and over again in the Gospels. He loved to heal on the Sabbath, it seems. Uh, But his goal was not just to rile up the Pharisees. He was communicating something through his actions. The point was not just that the healing was permitted on the Sabbath, but almost more like it was required. He had to do this. That he, he had to do it because this kind of healing was God's desire for the world. God's desire for the world to be made whole and healed. And just as even the Pharisees would rescue an animal or a child who had fallen into a well on a Sabbath day, God had come to rescue people in and through the ministry of Jesus. And the Sabbath was the perfect time uh, to bring uh, this reality of the kingdom of God. His healing shows what it means to enter God's rest and peace, to enter God's shalom. So this is the first challenge that Jesus brought. It's the challenge of his presence and of his power to bring the kingdom itself uh, through his actions. The second challenge, though, is, is more of what takes up space in our text today. It's the challenge of his teaching. He enacted the kingdom in his healing, but then he also interpreted the kingdom in his teaching. The lawyers and the, and the Pharisees who observed his healing were, were suspicious and, and doubtful about what Jesus was doing. And Jesus invites them to see the world differently. This is why he told parables. He wanted to give them and us a, a new perspective. David Brooks, in his recent book, How to Know a Person, talks about how sometimes we can get so locked into our own perspective that we assume that it's just the way everyone else sees reality. He calls this naive realism, and he tells a story to illustrate it. He says, "Uh, you may have heard the old story of a man by a river. A woman standing on the opposite shore shouts to him, how do I get to the other side of the river? And the man shouts back, you are on the other side of the river. (laughs) Some of you just got it. (laughs) Now, this is the the challenge, isn't it, of, of, of really deeply having our minds changed about something. How do you get through to someone who is so locked into their point of view that they can't even consider the situation from another perspective. We can all be like this, can't we, in in different ways? If you've never had that experience, you might consider why. Jesus' parables are stories that are meant to wake us up to a new way of seeing. 
they confront us with our ingrained habits, our, our prejudices, our assumptions about the way the world works, our assumptions about God, our assumptions about ourselves, and they invite us to change perspective. This is why uh, the parables are perfect for the season of Lent, if we'll let them do their work on us. So that's that's the challenge of the kingdom. Let's consider the character of the kingdom that we see in these two brief parables, uh, first in verses 7 to 14. Uh, First, Jesus spoke to those who had been invited to the dinner, and he said, you know, when you're invited to a wedding feast, don't sit down in the place of honor so that the host doesn't have to come to you and ask you to move because someone more important has arrived. Instead, Jesus says, sit in the lowest place, and then the host will say to you, you know, friend, move up, move up higher. Jesus is not just giving good social advice. First century Jewish culture, like, like most traditional societies, was highly attentive to these distinctions of honor and status in a way that's probably hard for most of us to fully grasp. You know, we're not too worried about who's going to be sitting where at the potluck after church. But the main point is clear here. In the kingdom, you are free from this kind of self-promotion. ...show on TV every night for 33 years. He said about that experience, every night you're trying to prove your self-worth. It's like meeting your girlfriend's family for the first time. You want to be the absolute best, wittiest, smartest, most charming, best-smelling version of yourself. If I can make people enjoy the experience and have a higher regard for me when I'm finished, it makes me feel like an entire person. If I've come short of that, I'm not happy. How things go for me every night is how I feel about myself for the next 24 hours. Because I'm not playing a character, I'm trying to give you the best version of myself. In this parable, Jesus is is exposing and, and highlighting how we all can be uh, like that. And he offers us an alternative. In the kingdom, he says, you are free from needing to present the best version of yourself to others. You don't have to live and die on your reputation anymore. You don't have to always be claiming your spot in the group. The man who sits in the place of honor is, is presenting the best version of himself. And when he gets demoted... It's crushing. But in God's kingdom, the way up is down. The way to prove yourself is not by claiming honor, but by giving it away, following Jesus in the way of humility. So that's the first parable. In the second parable, in verses 12 to 14, Jesus speaks to the host. If Jesus' words to the guests at the party are about self-promotion, then his words to the host are about self-interest. He says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. The, The host of the party doesn't have to promote himself. Right? He's, 
He's already privileged with the means to put on a large dinner or banquet. He starts in the first chair. The point here is that it's possible, yet, for his motivations and for his goals to remain exclusively about himself and his interests. Other people are only a means for him to to get back what he already has. He gives it away only to get it back later. In God's kingdom, Jesus says, you're invited into a new way of being that's about giving to others without concern for what they offer you in return. In both of these short parables, Jesus exposes our self-centeredness and he shows us the, the true character of God's kingdom. He exposes our self-centeredness because we see in these examples uh, so clearly how we naturally live. As St. Augustine said, human beings are naturally curved in on themselves. We seek our own interests before the interests of others. We don't love God above all else and our neighbor as ourselves. But a person in the kingdom is free from this obsession, from status and position. They're willing to take the lowest place, to be a servant. They can give gifts that will not be returned in this life. In his letter to the Philippians, the Apostle Paul holds up the life of Jesus as the ultimate example of what this kind of kingdom life looks like. In chapter 2, he says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. If Jesus himself reveals the character of life in God's kingdom, and we're invited to express that same way of life in union with him, then, then how do we reorient ourselves uh, to this kingdom life? This brings us to the last part of our text today in, in the call of the kingdom in verses 15 to 24. Jesus tells this final parable in response to the man at the table who he has something very religious to say. You know, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't contradict him, but he tells a parable that challenges the presumption of those in the room about who would be seated at that table. In order to understand this, we, we need to be clear on how invitations work. Uh, verse 16, as Jesus begins to tell this parable, says, uh, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. It was a lot of work to prepare you know, a great banquet. You had to slaughter the right number of animals, you had to prepare the food and you know, get the wine. And you know, um, so that you knew how much to prepare. Now, this is what people used to call RSVPing, and I don't think some of you know how this works, so pay careful attention. Notice what verse 17 says. 
And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. You see what's happening here. It's clear that they had said they were going to come. They had been invited. And now the servant is saying, you know, everything is now ready. Come on over. And that's when the excuses begin. And these are very implausible excuses. The first one says, I have bought a field and I must go out and see it. Don't you inspect your purchase before you buy it? You know, but he's saying he, he's already bought it and he's got to go look at it some more. And the second one says, I have bought five yoke of oxen and I go to examine them. The word for examine here is the word for testing or, or trying. Uh, these are oxen for working his fields. And he's saying that he needs to go and see, you know, how they do. You know, and again, you know, wouldn't you try before you buy? You know, the, you know uh, it's, it's very strange. The, the third person <clears throat> might seem like they have the best excuse. You know, he just got married. But why then did he say he was going to come to this feast? You know, wouldn't you know if you're going to get married in a few days? These are all insulting excuses. It's as, as if you invite me uh, over to a great party at your house, and the night of the party, you know, I call up at 6 o'clock, and I say, yeah, I just bought a new car, and I need to take it for a drive in the country. You know, I will never do that. You know, if you invite me to a party, I'm going to be there. So don't hesitate. <laughs> Jesus is speaking here, uh, not just to this one man who, who called out, but to everyone who's gathered around that table who were religious in every way. You know, these are people who had been RSVPing to God's party all their lives. They knew all the right things to say and to do to show that they belonged at the party. But Jesus says to them, you know, the party is starting, and you're making excuses. That's what the healing, remember, the healing at the beginning of this chapter shows. It shows that Jesus is bringing the kingdom into their midst in this great healing miracle. And instead of rejoicing, he gets silence and suspicion. He looks around at how people were jockeying for position, and he points out their obsession with self-promotion. He tells the host that, you know, he's just focusing on himself and his own self-interest like everyone else. But it's not just them. This, this parable speaks to all of us. We can all be like this. Think about the excuses that people give in the parable. They're about property, work, and family. You know, the field that is purchased is a piece of property. The oxen are for the sake of work. And the man who is married is beginning a family. These are all good excuses. And there's nothing wrong with any of them. But even these, Jesus is saying can become an obstacle to our participation in God's kingdom if we make them more important than they should be. When we take something good and we make it ultimate in our lives, 
it becomes a false god and an excuse for our selfishness and our self-centeredness. Coming back to the parable, the man can't believe the excuses that he's getting. And so he sends out his servant to go into the streets of the city and, and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. In other words, those who have nothing but their need to bring to this party. And even then, there's still room. And so the servant is sent outside the city to the highways and the hedges to compel people to come in. And compel here doesn't mean force. It means urge. The master wants his house to be full. And if the ones who were invited don't come, then he will bring others in. There will be a feast. And anyone who is not there has chosen not to be there. They preferred something else. So friends, this is the spiritual question that challenges all of us here today. What do we prefer? In other words, what do we worship? Will we worship something created, like our money, our work, or even our family? Or will we worship the creator who's throwing a great party? When you worship something finite, your life will be defined by that thing. And you'll cling to it so tightly that you'll begin to lose whatever was good in it to begin with. But when you worship God, the creator, you not only get him, you get all his good creations in their proper place. As C.S. Lewis said, aim at heaven. Let me end with this. There's a, a key word throughout our whole text today. It's the word invite, or, or literally in Greek, it's the word called. They were called to these parties. It's used 24 times in 24 verses. Uh, there is no lack of invitation to God's party. The only question is, Will you come? And if not, what is holding you back? If the self-giving, sacrificial love that we see in Jesus is not ultimate to you, then what is ultimate? What is your God? Is your allegiance only to yourself and your own needs? In that case, is it possible you've made yourself into a God? Or if not just yourself, then your family, your tribe, Jesus invites us today into the upside-down world of his kingdom, where we find ourselves by giving ourselves away. It's a challenge because it means a total reorientation of our perspective. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. If the root of our problem is our self-centeredness, if this is what holds us back from real love, it's going to feel like a death to turn in a new direction to repent. But here's the good news, friends. Jesus himself knows what it's like to suffer and to die. In the incarnation, he gave himself away to us completely. He humbled himself in the most profound way possible on the cross 
by dying for the sins of the world. He gave us the greatest gift that we can never repay. But he did it all to set a banquet, to throw a great feast. And now he invites you to come and to feast with him at his table. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you believe this? Let's believe it together. Let's pray. Our Father, as we uh, come to you, uh, we pray that uh, you would so change our hearts that we wouldn't come as those who presume that we have a place at your table, but that we would come uh, like those in Christ's parable who are broken and lame and poor and in need and have nothing uh, to offer you but our empty hands. Uh, we uh, pray that you would change our, our minds and our hearts in, in such a way that we would see ourselves as people in need, uh, and it's, but also as people uh, whom you meet with your amazing grace to fill us and to change us uh, by your love. Uh, we thank you that you welcome us to your table today. In Jesus' name, amen.